Yeah, good evening. It's Colm O'Sullivan and Tomas O'Leary with you on the Big Red Bench until 7 o'clock this evening on uh, not as busy as usual Saturday of Sport with Storm. Dennis wreaking havoc all around the place, but still plenty for us to chat about. We're going to be talking about the Premier League, uh, win for Burnley over Southampton earlier on, and Liverpool in action at the moment as well. Cork City got their brand new season underway last night with a defeat, unfortunately, against Shelburne at Turner's Cross. A big crowd, a great atmosphere, but not the right result for City. Sad news to talk about rugby-wise as well with the passing of former Munster Rugby CEO Gareth Fitzgerald, myself and Tom Austin will discuss that later on as well. And we'll be hearing from Ken Doherty. We've got the second part of our interview with Ken Doherty coming up. All that between now and seven here on the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Yeah, good evening and welcome to the Big Red Bench. Uh, it's Colm O'Sullivan here and I'm joined as always by Tomas O'Leary. Tomas, how are you? I'm fantastic, Colm. Yourself, you enjoyed uh, the City game last night? I, I enjoyed it to a point because uh, it was great to be back at Turner's Cross and great to have a new season of football and live football, which I love. Uh, great atmosphere, big crowd in the cross. There was 4,000 there. The atmosphere was electric. There was flags and flares and banners and everything all over the place. Um, but it wasn't the right, right result for Cork City, unfortunately. And uh, like last season, a late goal again, catching them at the end, uh, going down one little to Shelburne. So uh, the main thing is it stayed dry because I thought the storm might come in earlier. But uh, we managed to get the City game out of the way last night. But not much ended up happening today. The Hearty Cup was called off. All yeah. the Munster Senior League games were called off. Did anything happen around sporting wise, really? Yeah, look, it makes sense from a uh, health and safety point of view just from players and spectators yeah so look I don't think any kind of organisation can take a risk on, on days like today plus like it kind of it kind of ruins games as spectacles and, and kind of brings it down to the, the lowest common denominator so I think it makes sense yeah, I don't think there's much going on locally anyway obviously a few big games over in the UK that are that are able to, to, to host or whatever yeah. and there was a few GA games on earlier I think but yeah I think I'd say there won't be much on tomorrow either not by the looks of it, no. Um, but look, we can uh, obviously talk, talk, talk shop here anyway. There's like, plenty to keep us going. No, it was interesting up in Dublin today, actually, because uh, in the League of Ireland, Bohemians and Shamrock Rovers was on in Daily Mount Park at a two o'clock kick off, and. Uh, one of the dugouts got blown over before the game. The TV gantry yeah. was not safe to use, so the game was supposed to be broadcast live on RT television earlier on today. Um, but the TV gantry wasn't safe because of the wind, so the game ended up not being on TV. And the dugout was blown over, and they still play, they still play the game. That's mad. It's like, madness. But uh, yeah, they're all, uh, themselves up to all sorts of litigation if there's any injured yeah. there. Like I don't know why they went ahead with it. It would have made sense if the TV coverage and everything was postponed. Postponed the game. Like you'd have probably had to play a midweek fixture in a couple of weeks' time. But just from everyone's perspective. Like nobody's going to enjoy that players or spectators or anything yeah. like the weather was horrendous today absolutely Who I wonder who signed off on that because it's, it's a crazy decision it's really it's bizarre it really really is That it must have been either an FAI or a Bowes decision you'd imagine in Daily Mount Park but, oh, uh, they stopped running the FA under the bus now yeah, I know yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> we've given out about them enough yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not a bother um, so loads of stuff um, kind of happening cross channel still with not much happening here and uh, the Premier League uh, earlier on there's game underway now uh, Liverpool are taking on Norwich at the moment that's nil all there but earlier on it was Southampton and Burnley Tomas yeah exactly so um, earlier on Burnley beat Southampton 2-1 at St Mary's to come into 10th position in the Premier League um, well I suppose the big news there is in the Premier League is, is City and yeah. I suppose they're banned from Europe big fine and implications of that for, for not only the, the European Cup n- next two years but I suppose players will they stay and, and you know will they stay on with City um, Guardiola will he stay um, so that seems to be 
more interesting off the pitch in football. Now, it's right? a huge topic, and the news broke last night, as we know. Um, Man City obviously banned from the Champions League for two years for breaking FIFA or financial fair play rules. Um, so UEFA made the decision over in Neon last night, and they decided City were getting a two-year ban. City are appealing this to the Court of Arbitration for Sport, saying they want an independent adjudicator on this. I don't think they're going to get very far. Um, this all basically boils down to um, them kind of going roundabout ways of spreading money around. They're owned, obviously, by um, by basically by Abu Dhabi and then the, yeah. the Sheik over there and so on. And he owns Etihad Airways as well, who are a sponsor. Obviously, they're playing the Etihad Stadium. And um, Etihad are a sponsor of Man City, but there was money being moved in and out of Man City and in and out of Etihad Airways. And nobody was quite sure how they were within the the financial fair play rules because yeah. obviously we know they're paying huge wages to players they're spending huge money on transfer fees and just just breaking the bank in general and it's very hard for clubs to keep up with that obviously there's a, a cohort of big clubs in the Premier League your uh, Man United's Chelsea's with Roman Abramovich um Liverpool probably not not as much but they are they are they're not as much of a big spending club even despite their success but um I mean like Man City have got away with this for quite a while so I think this was coming for a while wasn't it? Yeah and you look at the rugby scenario where Saracens Saracens have is been, a very similar example yeah. been done and a massive fine and, and they've essentially been relegated um, I think it was Mikel Platini who coined the phrase financial doping wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I know he's been implicated in his own <laughs> He's been implicated yeah. since yeah. in his own thing yeah. So um, look yeah it's, it's crazy really look I guess um, there's there's arguments too that you know clubs that, that and owners who go in and, and essentially bankrupt clubs because they don't invest in clubs. Um, you know there's there, there's I see kind of clubs who've been ruined. You know the likes of of Leeds United. You know over the years would have gone bankrupt because they weren't run properly yeah. and probably didn't get enough investment or support from so from supporters and sponsors. So. Um, you can see argument both ways, but yeah, look, if they don't adhere to the financial fair play uh, regulations and they're obviously trying to, to you know, pull the wool over, um, you know, FIFA's eyes, UEFA's eyes, um, in terms of, oh, you know, this is what we're getting in terms of sponsorship and obviously it's not all, you know, fair. It's not all fair. Uh, here's the official lines on it. So um, it's the next two seasons, the 2020, uh, 2020, season and twenty. 21 into 22 are the two seasons they're going to be banned for and they're being fined 24.9 million pounds for serious breaches of UEFA's financial fair play and club licensing regulations 24.9 million pounds is a pittance to Man City um, to be honest the main breach was in relation to overstating their sponsorship revenue and the club also failed to cooperate with the investigation into their accounts uh, City will now most likely appeal as we said um, but it sounds like it might fall on deaf ears and there's questions around whether Guardiola will stay there whether players will stay there if, if they'd want a champion League football and uh, we just have some, some audio of former Man City midfielder Michael Brown speaking to Sky Sports on the club situation we'll have a listen to that now well this work really puts pressure on the manager Pep Guardiola to sort of say well you've said you're going to be here for another 12 months it's not just a Champions League you've got to keep the growth of the club continuing the Premier League's very important Carabao Cup and, and many many trophies so the test will be with him now if he can't go in strengthen in a way that probably wanted this summer you could see there was a heavy stance on recruitment sort of forecasted to be in place and if that's not the case he you can see how he can change systems he can change personnel in different areas so it'll be a big test for him but I'm sure it's something he can take in his stride but I think you know with the success in a, in a short period of time of what Manchester City have had the wealth the money that they've spent there's going to be that question there's going to be say how have you done it and why but you also got to look at many many other clubs who are doing things and spending lots of money are they within every single rule I'm not so sure about that either so 
Listen, when there's a club doing so well, they're going to be there to be shot at. They understand that. That's just human nature. But this is a, a hiccup at the moment, and hopefully they can prove their innocence and come out of it uh, better than it is today. You'd imagine it's a little bit more than a hiccup. Uh, Michael Brown, ex of Man City, their former Man City midfielder, uh, very much taking the side of Man City in that and trying to implicate other clubs. And no doubt there are other clubs as well because there have been previous investigations into PSG regarding some of their transfers, particularly regarding Neymar and uh, Mbappe and so on. Um, so this this kind of thing probably goes on more widespread than we know to most. But I mean, the implications are huge now for Man City and for the Premier League because uh, stories doing the rounds then in the papers this morning and online this afternoon that they might be docked Premier League points almost with immediate effect. Now, it's not going, they're not going to win the league anyway this year. So if they are going to dock points, they probably want to be docked them this year uh, more than any other year. But, I mean, there's huge implications. And you'd imagine, and this is probably a good thing, that it might lead to other clubs kind of cleaning up their affairs a bit as well. Yeah, look, I guess the uh, assertion or claim that other clubs are at it too, that's irrelevant. Um, look, if they're doing it, they're wrong as well. It's like, say, uh, if somebody yeah, went out yeah, and killed a fella, but exactly. your man killed a fella as well kind of thing, you know? That's, yeah. that's not a case for defence. I think they will kind of probably pursue the fact that how did UEFA get the information that it was leaked and yeah. whether that was, uh, I suppose, uh, a reputable source and whether that it was done, I suppose, within the, 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 the rules of, of actual law in not just sport, but actual common law. So. How do they get the information? Because uh, there's this guy, he's 31-year-old, Rui Pinto. He was a journalist at Der Spiegel, uh, which I think is a German newspaper. And he, he, it's the whistleblower, or he's the whistleblower behind football leaks. And he's been in jail, this guy, for almost a year, <laughs> awaiting yeah. trial in relation to these hackings. Um, and the hashtag, uh, the news of City's ban last night led to the hashtag Free Pinto trending on Twitter last <laughs> night. So this guy's in jail, yeah. um, possibly for exposing Man City. So is, is that going to be something in their favour? I, I don't I, know. I, was I, I think, you know, the, apparently um, they brought uh, a legal team of eight or nine people yeah. into the UEFA's legal team of three, just, I guess, to, you know, assert their power and, yeah. and flex their muscles. But you would imagine that every legal loophole that, that they can possibly target, they will. Um, uh, and that, the source of the information and whether it was legally obtained, you know, any any court case is, is dependent on that. Um, so look, I think they'll, they'll, cha- they'll, they'll challenge it on that straight away uh, before they drag every other club into it, I think. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And if they are, if the ban is upheld, who goes into the Champions League? Because if the Premier League table was as it is now, you'd imagine the fifth place team would go in. Mm. As it stands, it would be Sheffield United. It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? It would be amazing. (laughs) Now, I mean... Tottenham and Man United and a few other clubs are waiting in the wings there uh, not far off fifth place as well I mean Spurs are only two points off with a game in hand but imagine if Sheffield United got it they're in dreamland now it'll be <laughs> kind of similar to the Leicester City story I know that yeah. Leicester City obviously won the, the Premier League but but I mean she- they're just newly promoted Sheffield United and doing, Chris Wilder's doing a great job there as manager so it's possible it's unlikely they will and I mean Man City might not even end up being banned yet but I, I think that ban probably will be upheld but uh, it opens the doors for maybe a Sheffield United or for a Tottenham or it could and Man City fans would love if their ban paved the way for Manchester United to go into the Champions League I'd say they'd be delighted yeah and <laughs> I, I, I imagine that the, the red side of Manchester is, is hoping and praying that there might be a mass exodus of, of City players as well and I suppose that the club almost would, would go into free fall look hopefully it doesn't come to that extent but look if they're not adhering to the financial fair play I think yep. certainly that uh, I hope to, that they do get punished and that the, the punishment is, is worthy of the crime Absolutely let's wait and see what happens on that front with Man City but we'll round up the rest of the day sport Tomas And it's still nil all in Norwich City Liverpool game and obviously look the Liverpool are runaway leaders of the league um, and they can extend their lead to top of the table to 25 yep. points with a win here which, which is crazy um, earlier Leeds 
narrowed West Brom's lead top of the Skybet Championship table to four points this afternoon. They beat Bristol City 1-0 at Elland Road. That's after the Bagpies dropped points earlier on, drawing two all with Nottingham Forest. And locally, we discussed Cork City lost their season opener last night. The Rebel Army lost to Shelburne at Turner's Cross. Former City striker Kieran killed off with the game's only goal five minutes from time. In the Munster Senior Cup, Cargillan to defeat Covenanters by a goal to nil. And in Gaelic games, as we discussed earlier, the Hearty Cup final between CBC and St. Flannans has been postponed due to the weather. It will now take place in two weeks' time on Saturday, the 29th of February, in Mallow at 1 pm. Today's National Alliance Hurling League Division 1 game between Limerick and Waterford has also been postponed. It's now set to be played tomorrow at 2 pm in the LIT Gaelic grounds. That's subject to a pitch inspection in the morning. And in Camogie, UCC have come through the, through DCU in their Ashburn Cup semi-final clash this afternoon. The game ended UCC 6 points, DCU 2 points. UCC will play UL in the decider tomorrow from 4pm at WIT. Elsewhere, CAT were beaten by UCD in a Purcell Cup semi-final. The final score was UCD 3-11 to CAT's 1-6. It's now an all-Dublin affair with UCD playing TU Dublin for 2pm at WIT tomorrow. And on to rugby. Leinster's 100% record in the Guinness Pro 12 remains intact. They've beaten the Cheetahs 36 points to 12 at the RDS this afternoon to remain co- top of Conference A. And Munster had some reforces last night where they comfortably defeated Southern Kings at Irish Independent Park in Cork. Full time there was Munster 68, Southern Kings 3. And golf, where Roy McIlroy is in contention. Um, I think he had a six under par round at golf today. So I think he's three or four shots off the lead there. And in foot, and that's kind of rounds up the, the the sport for for today. Great win for Munster last night. Huge scoreline there. Yeah, it's it's a strange one. Um, you'd have to question the, I suppose the the South Africa says really the yeah what they bring to the to Pro Twelve. I um, mean, sixty eight three is is massive. Like yeah, and logistically aside, like it's it's crazy having it to, is yeah. absolutely. Um, but. Like the local club teams, Cork on with it, and Cork on are a decent side. They would have beaten the Kings yeah. last night. Were they that bad? Yeah, they were shocking. Yeah. And like how a side can can travel halfway around the world to you know to play and not 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 compete. Um, you know, among, like it was good for Munster in fact that you know they got a chance to maybe give some guys a, a bit of game time. Um, but like the, the lads who who impressed last night, um, they're not going to be picked in the bigger games off the back of yeah. a of a hammering of this, the Kings. But um, you know, it's, it's you just really have to question the what they what they bring to the league. It's not as if they're bringing a massive um, you know popularity or attendance or kind of any commercial revenue. What um, kind of attendance was there last night? Do you know, I think there was about four or five thousand, which bad, is yeah. not bad, um, particularly the conditions. Um, I suppose the the Cork public it's it's a nice opportunity for for lads to to go down to their local stadium Absolutely, yeah. watch the game rather than have to have to go up to uh to, to to Limerick but you know it was good to see like Sahad net there from Ross Carberry he got a great try um you know to to, to mark his his debut in the senior side um, I suppose he's adding to the to kind of ever burgeoning West Cork yeah. rugby scene <laughs> um so look um and like to him and uh yeah, you know, put, putting the marker down. Look, the you know, I suppose you had um, a few, few old heads in there as well to to add to it. And obviously, Aaron Bowe getting a, a hat trick as well. But look, the how much Munster will really learn from the game, I don't know. But you know, you still got to beat what's in front of you. But I mean, there's so much travel involved um, for either a team having to go to South Africa, or the South African team is coming here. What's the point of it, really? Yeah, I, I don't see the point of it, but um, I think the lads, to be fair, went to South Africa to start of the season. I think it was uh, last year, and they kind of use it as a team building exercise. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, obviously, the the games in South Africa are more difficult because you're away yeah. from home. The teams are are harder to beat there. But um, just I I just fail to understand the you know the how beneficial it is. Obviously, the cost implications of flying teams down there as well, staying in hotels for two weeks. Um, you know, you go to the stadium there as well. The stadiums are empty when you're playing over there. So, uh, yeah, look, I, I don't see how it's a sustainable model. Um, you know, playing the Welsh teams and Scottish, Scottish teams is OK too. But, you know, I just don't see the, the sustainability of obviously we probably need a club game and we need a club league for, for the likes of Munster, Leinster. Uh, Connacht and Ulster to, to, to provide into, yeah. the, into the national setup, but um, certainly the, what the South African teams bring, uh, I probably I might have missed the, the uh, not a whole lot, yeah. not a whole lot. All right, uh, just over the road then last night it was a busy night down that part of Cork last night because you had four or five thousand um, in Irish Independent Park for the Munster game, and you had another uh, four thousand odd over in Turners Cross for yeah, the Cork City crowd, game. Yeah. So uh, not bad crowd for either team last night, and a great atmosphere in Turners Cross last night. As I said, um, great to have it back. And there was a, a kind of an air of optimism last night. You could feel it around the ground and you could feel it during the week. Um, a new team, uh, a, lot of, a lot of kind of confidence. Uh, I spoke to Neil Fenn during the week, spoke to Joe Gamble, spoke to some of the players. And they were all kind of confident that they that they could hopefully start the season well. And uh, you could sense that last night around the, the fans and things. They were saying, this is something new, you know, like uh, we had great for a couple few years, but we had a bad year last year. New team, new players, new era and let's get it off to a good start against old, old rival Shelburne because it was Shelburne's first time up in the, in the Premier Division in I think about 10 years at this stage yeah. um, but it wasn't to be for Cork City it, it all went a bit pear-shaped last night with the late yeah. goals unfortunately yeah and I didn't realise it was a, a former City striker Kieran yeah, Kildoff Kieran Kildoff yeah. now he only played with yeah. City I think for about 6 months back in I'm going to say about 2013 or 2014 I'd say City? he got a nice few goals for City yeah, in, that, in, that, in okay, that spell yeah okay. he did yeah in fairness um, but yeah he was the, the man last night he got the, the goal five minutes from time so it was a late goal uh, which happened Cork City quite a few times last season as well and uh, it wasn't a great performance from City overall it wasn't a great game of football overall um, City didn't look like scoring for most of the match really and I spoke to Neil Fenn the City manager after and he said they just didn't play well Disappointing for Cork City here tonight. A late goal and a one-led defeat to Shelburne. Neil, um, I mean, it, it was just just a killer really with the late goal, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, it was disappointing, obviously, to lose so late. But I don't think we played well at all. So um, I felt it, was, it looked like it was just going to be a nil-nil draw. I thought both teams they probably had the better chances, obviously. But I just felt it looked like it was going to be a nil-nil draw, and, and we, you know, we knew they were strong from set pieces, and we felt that if we were going to concede, it was going to be from a set piece. We didn't look like we created too many chances really throughout the game. No, we struggled. We struggled. We didn't. We didn't create too many clear-cut openings. I thought we were quite poor in the final third, and um, and it, like I said, I thought it was just gonna. It was gonna end up nil-nil. Um, you had eight new signings in the team tonight, so I mean that's that's a huge turnover of players. So it takes time for guys to bet in, I suppose. Yeah, you know, it's eight, eight debuts, and I'm not sure how many of those players were making their debuts in uh, league debuts, first team debuts, League of Ireland debuts. So it was never going to be, it was never going to be unbelievably scintillating. <laughs> it was always going to be hard to to bed the players in, and we know the job. We just uh, halfway through the game, or in the 70 minutes, 80 minutes, you're looking at it and you're thinking, okay, if it, if it's nil nil, it's not the worst result in the world to start the, to start the season off. Um, obviously some of these new guys 
or only after coming in in the last week or so. So you haven't seen much of them. So you obviously saw them play a full game tonight. Did you did you learn something more about some of those players? Yeah, I think uh, Deshaun was the only one who's, who's only just come in. He he came in on Wednesday, trained on Thursday. He looked good when he came on. Um, Joseph's been here for for a couple of weeks now at least. So I think he looked very good at, at centre back. I thought the two centre backs actually did okay. So listen, there's positives to take out of it. Obviously, we lost we lost the game, but you know there's positives to take out of it, and we can't be too downbeat about it. Positive has to be the support here tonight. I mean, pretty much four thousand people, and there was an electric electric atmosphere at the start, and he got great support from the off. I think it was. I think they were fantastic tonight. I thought that they kept going all the way through. Even at the end, they you know even though the, dis- the result was disappointing, I felt they they clapped us off and everything else. So you know, brilliant, excellent support, and hopefully um, the next home game we get the same. Finn Harps here in two weeks, but before that, two difficult away games. Yeah, two, putting it mildly, two difficult away games. You know, we we know now the boys know what it what it takes in the league. It, it was always going to be difficult. We knew that. Um, the boys have had their first taste now. They're they're in there now. They know what it's like, what this league's like. The, um, and we we you know we've said it. Set pieces are very very important in this league. And um, as you can see tonight, shells have won the game from from a set piece. Right, hard luck tonight, Neil. Cheers. No worries, Colin. All right, that's Neil Fenn there, the Cork City manager, chatting to me after Cork City's 1-0 defeat to Shelburne last night. Um, I suppose kind of an honest reaction from Neil Fenn. I mean, he didn't try and hide away from anything. Um, he's a very positive and a very nice guy in general. Anyway, Neil Fenn, himself and Joe Gamble are, are good there as a management team, I think. But um, like, he didn't try and hide away from anything. Straight away said, we didn't play well. And they, that's nice. it's nice to hear a manager admit that. Yeah, that's all you want is, is that honesty and you know, a candid interview from a manager. Um, he's not giving excuses and... You know, it's it is the first game of the season, so it's it's no time for panic stations. And obviously, it would have been lovely even to get a point. Um, yeah. Like you said, with the bit of momentum, you see the the jerseys going into in around Turner's Cross. It, you know, it adds a lot to the city. Um, so look, it's good to have that back. You know, even see. Um, you know Spike and, and DVG and their ads you know yeah that was brilliant, was brilliant, brilliant Gary yeah. Spike O'Sullivan and Stevie G were in yeah. the Cork City uh, promo video for the for um, the new season for the Valentine's Day game and uh, it was a good crack wasn't yeah, it, it looked, yeah. looked brilliant like fantastic from the marketing team yeah. tip of the hat from to them for the Cork City marketing team so look fair play to you know to Neely Fenn and, and you know, hopefully now the next game will be an improvement but I suppose it wasn't a bad week overall with you know obviously Cork City's financial woes have been well documented yeah. but you know the deal it did with, with Preston, um, you know about you know the buy the sell on clauses yes. for for um, for Shawnee McGuire and Alan Brown. Um, I think that's good business because look, they were in debt; they had to pay off a clause. Yes. People are saying they're losing potential money, but I think it's out to the current scenario. And you know, we all know what happened with City a few years ago, where they went back bankrupt. So it kind of avoids that. So look, a good week overall. I think. I think so as well. And in, in that respect, there's a lot of debate about sh- should City have cashed in on these clauses or not. But you got to look at it. Is these clauses might never have happened. I mean, there's, there's no guarantee that Alan Brown or Shawnee Maguire will be sold down the line. Now, people are saying that Alan Brown might go in the summer, but, I mean, it's money up front, it's money the club needed, yeah. and if they didn't take it, and you'd look back in a few years and the boys finished their careers at Preston, you'd have made no money. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's surely a win-win situation. Yeah, absolutely, and look, if if they didn't take the money and they end up, you know, having a terrible year, getting relegated yeah. or going into financial difficulty, then everyone looks back and say, you had that money there to take, why didn't you do a deal with them? So I think they they were in a situation where they had to do a deal and um, look, hopefully, hopefully now they can kind of get further investment in the club or, or start maybe looking to get one or two more players in 
Um, but any any kind of truth to the rumours, I don't know whether you're in the know. There's, there, there's a lot of the Preston takeover. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm not in the know enough to know if, if there is or not. To be honest, um, there's a lot of talk that Preston and Trevor Hemmings is the guy who wants Preston. He's uh, he's an 84 year old billionaire from the UK, and he wants Preston North End, and he actually wants Trebulgan Holiday Village here in Cork as well. So he's, <laughs> he's got a Cork connection. There you go. Yeah. And um, there's talk that he wants to invest. That possibly either invest in the club or possibly a full takeover of the club. But the way the club structure is with Forest, and I'm a member of Forest myself. Self, um, is that everybody has an individual vote, and I think yeah. there's about six, seven hundred members in force. So okay. that would have to be put to the membership. Um, any possible takeover or any even a, a stake being sold to um, to Trevor yeah. Hemmings or to Preston, uh, the members would all have to vote on that. If they voted for it to go through, it could be something like a sell off a, a minority stake, which I think might be a good thing. Selling the whole club possibly not as good a thing as you relinquish control, but I mean, all options will have to be looked at if there's any any truth in this and. Um, but I think you're looking at the likes of Shamrock Rovers and uh, Dermot Desmond there is putting in millions into them at the yeah. moment. They had a similar situation. They have a similar structure to Cork City in terms of they're owned by a supporter trust membership. So their members voted um, a few months back for Dermot Desmond to take a minority stake. So he took something like a, a 40 or 49% stake okay. in the club yeah. um, and he's putting in a couple of million a year. Dundalk of big American investor backers as well. So something like this probably needs to happen realistically for Cork City to keep pace with, with other clubs, I think. Yeah, I think it does. And, you know, for, uh, you know, I know we're, we're, I suppose, a small city, but, you know, big, big soccer area down here, you know, big football loving area like we probably take in a lot of, like in a Limerick and Waterford now as well, yep. you know, in terms of producing the best players down in the south of Ireland. So, you know, we're competing with the, the you know, the Dublin teams and it'll take the population there and the money there from sponsorship. So I think if you can get someone who is willing to invest in the club and obviously look, obviously if you can make, maintain control with the members, brilliant. Um, but I think any kind of, I suppose, influx of money into the club uh, and investment in the club it can only be a good thing Absolutely and I actually put that question at, towards the end of this interview to uh, Cork City legend George O'Callaghan a league winner himself obviously with Cork City back in 2005 and uh, Georgie spoke to me last night after the match uh, talking about the one and defeat to Shelburne he was critical of some things about the game last night and I uh, also spoke to him about the Preston thing at the end of this interview as well a Very disappointing start to the season for Cork City here at Turners Cross a one and defeat to Shelburne in the opening game and it came through a late goal Happened a lot of times last season as well, George O'Callaghan. Um, late goals caught Cork City so many times last season and it, it's very disappointing to start the season with the same thing happening again. Yeah, I think I think with the whole game, I think the first 20 minutes, it kind of started where Shells kind of just kind of sussed Cork City out. And um, I even told myself after 35 minutes it looked at you that way that Shells, you know, they're just, they were too streetwise. And uh, when you say late goals, I think that's down to experience and lads knowing the league and what to do and conceding from a set piece you know and there's a free header and there's still a second ball and they lose that as well so it's very disappointing for Finney um, but um, I think you could see it coming the whole game I think I think Shells basically came and do what Shells do they sit back they let you ding and then they get you with that, that, that sucker punch and that's what happened we probably only had one clear-cut chance maybe in the second half there where they were kind of crossed and there was there was a header which we thought, we thought it was going in at one stage um, there wasn't a whole lot of chances created from Cork City really was there we didn't look like scoring Um well, it's been like that now, I suppose, for last season and tonight, right? Let's let's get let's get real. It's the first game of the season; it's not the end of the world. You know, I think you look at this in ten games' time, and if you're like this, then you have problems. So we're not like being negative, but you know, but Cork City lack creativity, and I think Cork City balls been lucky down through the years. They've always had like your Patsy friends, the Carneys, you know, your Jeffleys, even Fenny himself. That can, a little bit of style and a bit of, a bit of finesse that you need. 
but this team certainly lacks that over the last six, six, seven months. It's like, you know, I suppose you're in a prop possibly could have done it with Shepard. Yeah. And Shepard looked like a new player tonight than he'd ever playing for us last season. So, you know, but do you know what? It's early days. Um, I suppose they go away to start to get a go again next week. But it is so disappointing, especially the Shells as well. You know, I know old rival Shelburne and to lose to them in the cross. And like, there was a great crowd here tonight. And the atmosphere was electric at the start as well. Yeah, it was fantastic at the start. It was like the old days back again and, and the buzz of it. But I don't know if you think I was sitting in the shed. It went flat. Yeah. It went flat. And you know, when I turned to my brother and I said, you know what? I've never seen it so flat against shells. And it was quiet. And it was kind of that kind of feeling that they kind of knew what, expect, they knew what was going to happen. So, um, you know what? I think Finney has to go back. I think uh, Darrell O'Connor should definitely play on the left rather than the right. Because when he plays on the right, he seems to just go down to And I really like him. He's, I, I actually come some nights to watch him play because he's such a good player. Um I think the lad up front um, really struggled. I think I think uh, I think uh, Whitmarsh probably deserved to start, but what he did at the end of last season, you wonder why Alex Byrne is in the midfield. You know, you know why why do they have to bring in another midfielder from England when Alex Byrne done so well in last season? So there's a lot of questions there, and Fenny just needs to answer them now. Himself and Joe need to go and sit down, and watch the video, and and see what they have to do for next season. But creativity is is a major major concern from at this stage. I would say eight new signings in the starting lineup tonight, George. Um, was there any of them that impressed you, or what did you think of them overall? I, I think they've done all right. Um, they, they looked what they are. They like they look like non-league English footballers coming in and playing like I know they got the boys in QPR and Arsenal but they're playing on a 23 football I think the boy at the back from Arsenal it's step up I suppose isn't it it is and playing against and I, th- I think the boy from Arsenal done really well he played well he, he looks solid like they all did okay but they are what they are you know what I mean there, there's no big surprises none of them are getting you off the edge of your seat or anything like that so but you know what give them time to bed in and let's see what happens for the rest of the season and um, it, it's a tough kind of few running games now for Cork City they're back here in two weeks time against Finn Harps but before that they're away to Shamrock Rovers next Friday and Dundalk on Monday week as well so I mean it would have been nice to get something here because they're going to be tough games yeah it is you know and like you go, you're going to play probably the two teams that are going to top the league going to be first and second and uh, it's going to be tough ones, but, that, but that's the League of Ireland it's a tough league I, I said it to you before the game you don't get away with nothing in the league of Ireland you've got to earn it and um, tonight they didn't earn it they, 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 they honestly didn't show, I'd actually I hate to say it, but Shell's actually probably deserved to nick the win. You know, I think Kildoff had a great chance there in the second half as well. He's gone straight in one and one and should have scored. But um, do you know what? They just got to go, got to work harder, train harder, be more organised, be better at set pieces, defending. And um, like when you can see from a set piece, what is it basically five or ten seconds of concentration? Don't let your man get a free header. And when you see that in front of the Shell, especially in the first day of the season, um, you know it's just disappointing. But hopefully they can fix that. Hopefully, and off the pitch, there's been a lot of news with Cork City this week as well, George. Um, a deal done with Preston North End, sold at the sell-on clauses for Shawnee Maguire and Alan Brown. Uh, talk of like half a million investment there. And there's there's rumours of, of, of possible takeover, of possible further investment from Preston. What's your take on all those stories? Well, I, I, I kind of take it with the Preston thing. I think them taking over and all that, I think that goes a pinch of salt because I've been involved in, I was involved in football agency for, and I actually was involved in a club takeover. So you're talking over a year and then you, you have to do due diligence what are they buying they're basically buying a badge because they don't have a ground we don't have a training ground so you know I think there's a lot I think, I think that like that's not going to happen overnight they're not just going to come in and, and buy Cork City that'll take a long long time um, regarding the selling clauses the way I look at it I remember when we were uh, stuck for money in 2008 was it and we sold Dylers Kevin Dylers clause, that's right, yeah, for 100 yeah. grand yeah. and then he got transferred uh, the following week for 6.75 million so I think when the English clubs are coming in doing that, 
there's obviously something behind the scenes with them obviously I'm proud. they probably have an idea that maybe maybe something is going to happen more but, or something. but it's obviously their agents are there and their agents know that Cork City are struggling and I suppose like you look at Preston like like I think keep hearing pros like they're like a premiership club they're not they're Preston I don't know I lived up there and I know what they're like but um you know, they're like chip leaders, they know they're struggling and if, and if Cork City are struggling for money and they need the money, then they have to take it, they've got no other option but, do you know what, it's, it's something that when I look back on the Kevin Doyle thing you know, for a hundred grand you probably got a million and a half or whatever it's a big difference to a club, it would have kept the club going and survived that time, you know, so but if they have to do it, they have to do it and that's the way it is but I think with takeovers and all that like that that takes a long time and it is, it's, it's not as easy as the boys come in it's not like it's not like player manager or changing clubs and they come in and buy the club it'll, it'll take a lot of business and, and dealings to, to get that over the line Alright we'll see what happens George thanks for joining us Thank as you. always um, so Cork City go down tonight first game of the season and 1-0 defeat to Shelburne Sure was uh, Turner's Cross last night there was 8 new signings in the team Tomas um, in the starting 11 last night so that's a huge turnover of players for any team in any sport really isn't it? It's massive particularly like you said look that's kind of three quarters more yeah. of the team um, and with a new management I know Neil Fenn was in there last season too but this is kind of first yeah. pre-season that he can implement any kind of semblance of, of his style of play um, so look it's going to take time um, I think I suppose um, look Georgie kind of mentioned there I suppose there was no one that kind of gets you you know at the edge of your seat um, like like when he was playing and, yeah. and kind of that kind of city team but hopefully give them a bit of time um, they can be very competitive with within the structure, you know, of 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 Neil, Neil Finn's kind of system, and then maybe that lads with a bit of individual flair will get the confidence to start expressing themselves and, and maybe kind of getting that attacking football that City fans love. Uh, one of the guys who was starting last night was centre back Joseph Aluwu. Um, he's on loan from Arsenal, so he's a bit of pedigree, and he actually played well last night. He looks like a proper defender. He looks very, very good. He gave his reaction after the game, his feelings on joining Cork City, and looking ahead to two tricky away fixtures now against Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk in the next week. Atmosphere was uh, unimaginable. It's proper. Yeah, it's good to get them on board for sure. I think that's what we've got to kind of just continue doing. Keep the fans on board and. I think as time we're going to gel together. Yeah. It's naturally going to happen. We're going to get the hang of how we both, how we all play, and I think as we can do that, we showed it in the game glimpses of where we get the ball down. We play good football when we get in. So I think just keep doing that. Just we've all got to just keep encouraged. It's the first game of the season. There's many more games to come. So we haven't. That's the first competitive game we've all played together. Yeah, played in friendlies and whatnot, but it's you've all got to kind of get the feel of it quickly, which yeah. was it took us some time in the first twenty minutes. We saw it was very back and forth. PA is not known when, what to do, um, where to pass it, where we're going to move. And I think it's, it's a good group of boys. Everyone yeah. gets along very well, which is just naturally going to help the whole, just bring us together. We're going to be more cohesive going forward. So, yeah. As soon as I kind of spoke to Neil and got an understanding and looked up on the club, it yeah. was very something that was very attractive to me. Because like you saw today, we want to play football. That's yeah. what we really want to do, just play football, which is suits me perfectly. And yeah, no, it was, I think, Shamrock and Dundalk are arguably probably two biggest teams in the league amongst with us. So I think it's just a matter of, we've all just got to knuckle down. Just the game's gone. We had very good bits in the game. We've got to take those bits, the not-so-good bits, try and incorporate them to train them, improve on them. And then look forward and hopefully we can... It's just about bouncing back. We've all got to believe that there's another game. There's always another game. 
and that's that approach with what I have going into those two games especially them being away as well mm. yeah Joseph Alou, uh, new signing on loan from Arsenal for Cork City. He played at centre back last night in Cork City's one and defeat to Shelburne. Big Joe, he's already been called by the uh, the Cork City fans. So they're they're taking to him already. Yeah, there was a hint of Venice Cork accent in there somewhere <laughs> as well. Somewhere, <laughs> uh, right like, on the way. Uh, myself and Tomas are going to discuss um, the very sad passing of former Munster rugby CEO Gareth Fitzgerald. I'm sure a man Tomas would have known well. And we'll have the second part of our interview with snooker legend Ken Doherty as well. All that to come here on the Big Red Bench. Yeah, it's Colum. Sullivan and Tomas O'Leary with you on the Big Red Bench for Saturday evening, a Saturday when a hell of a lot of sport has been called off and a weekend when a lot more sport probably will be called off tomorrow as well with Storm Dennis. A very, very bad weather forecast for tonight and into tomorrow right across Cork and right across the country, I think. Uh, not as bad over in the UK as of yet because uh, the Premier League game is going ahead today. Earlier on, Burnley getting a 2-1 win over Southampton. Uh, that puts Burnley up to 10th place in the league and just a point behind Manchester United in ninth, who have a game in hand. Um, and for um, Southampton it leaves them pretty much where they were they're in 13th but yeah they're about 7 or 8 points clear of the relegation zone they should probably be okay uh, the evening game at the moment is Norwich nil. Liverpool nil. Um, it probably means more for Norwich really than Liverpool I think because uh, Liverpool have won the league but Norwich at the bottom of the league Tomas and um, they're six points adrift so if they could sneak a goal against Liverpool um, it would bring them up a little bit and give them some hope of surviving yeah I think they, they kind of need uh, a bit of uh, a kind of impetus and a bit of uh, something to, to chase after you know yourself if, if his team starts winning and nicks a goal or two becomes a bit of a habit gives them a bit of hope and you know Going into training on on you know after the weekend on a Monday morning, suddenly there's a pep in, in lad's step and there's an energy about the place. Whereas if you're kind of constantly losing games or even picking up a point or two here and there, it's difficult to to kind of get that motivation and have that hope that you will survive. So look, if if they can, I think it'd be great if they could could make a win here and um, like you said, get get that bit closer to Watford and West Ham. It's probably unlikely considering Liverpool's run of form. I mean, they haven't lost the game in God knows how long. So will they lose to Norwich today? Probably unlikely, but it's still scoreless there anyway. But I mean, that's going to even if Liverpool draw that game, they're going to be. 23 points ahead of Man City now as well like it's just getting ridiculous the lead they're building up now isn't it it's mad and I was chatting to a few lads during the week and you know, they're in line to break is it 4 or 5 different records in, in terms wow. of points scored yeah. how much they, they, they beat in second place by uh, goals scored so look I don't know what the other stats were but just a phenomenal performance by, by, by the whole squad really they have to be up there as one of the, the great Premier League teams now I think I mean you look at Manchester United's treble winning team in 1999 and a couple of other teams Arsenal's Invincibles in um, I think it was 04 or 05 uh, maybe one or two of the Man City teams over the years but I mean that Liverpool team has to be as good if not better than any of them now doesn't it you say that, but the performance-wise, yes, and results-wise, yes. But are you saying they're yeah. not up against the same standard of I, teams? I just think name name the players of that United team, yeah. name the players of that Arsenal team. You know, you know the likes of Henri Perez, Di Vieira, these guys, Burkamp. Um, Tony Adams all these guys are you guys saying are, Jordan Henderson uh, yeah well, <laughs> <laughs> you say that no not me but like uh, how, how, how many of those Liverpool guys are re- like really yeah, would yeah. kind of like Mo Salah really but like his form has dipped to the extent he's a class player yeah. they're all class players but then you go to United the midfielders they had like Keane but what well, but Keith Scholes um, you know Beckham Giggs um, you know they're you know like they're not up front Cantona the strikers they had you know Cole all these guys phenomenal Teddy Sheringham they like the players that United had were 
just world class like um, I don't think you can say the same about this Liverpool side just in terms of excitement yeah. in terms of draw that's my opinion like if I was to look back I grew up in that era of the Premier League where it was literally you know Keane versus Vieira and, and, and that was a great rivalry the, wasn't it yeah you know, between, you know um you know, you had all the the build up to the games and kind of the the two managers going at it, and that was you know great buzz about it. Whereas you don't, I know, you can't blame Liverpool for not having a proper rival this year. Yeah. But yeah, in terms of performance, they're a great team. But I think the personnel and the characters within the team, I don't think you can compare them to to Arsenal or, or United team of that era. And I don't, I don't support Arsenal or United just to to say just that, to put that on yeah, record. Yeah, You're a Spurs yeah. fan, we know that. What do you think? What do you think they're one of the um, I, I think it's only something that can be judged yeah. when you look back on it. Really, I mean, if Liverpool do this consistently for a few years, then you're going to have to say maybe they're up there. And who knows? But. Um, at the moment I tend to agree with you to be honest yeah it's probably the way yeah. sport is gone and high level sports is gone it's more a case of functioning and the team is a unit and a machine same with rugby there's far less I suppose opportunity for individual flair yep. probably less yep. less time in the ball than, yep. than that those, that era had same in rugby now same with all top level sport it's just a case teams train so much sports science is embraced so much everyone is analysed so much yep. that maybe the opportunity for individuals to flourish is is effectively nearly gone nearly gone yeah okay we'll switch to uh, to rugby now and uh, sad news uh, breaking late last night with the passing of former Munster Rugby CEO Garrett Fitzgerald I mean he was involved with Munster Rugby for so so long so influential um, we're going to chat myself and Tomas about it in just a second but um, just uh, just uh, we're going to hear from Alan Quinlan a brief reaction from him there first of all and he says the loss has been felt across the province very very sad news his wife Anya was a lovely woman as well and you know there was a great bond and a connection between not just the players which we all speak about but, but the management and people behind the scenes um, and Gareth was the one who who was that driving force and um it's very, very sad. I think he put up a, a very, very brave fight and uh, he was an incredibly positive man. Uh, just 65 years of age, Gareth Fitzgerald, and during his two decades at the helm in Munster Rugby, they reached four European Cup finals, won two of them, and Alan Quinlan describing him there as a driving force. Tomasi, I suppose you'd have known him well. Um, he, was, he was at the helm during your time at Munster and very sad. Yeah, extremely sad. Um, look, Gareth had a tough years with, with his illness and his family, yeah. obviously. Um, guess you know the he kind of led from the front really but in the most understated way he never kind of wanted any attention or applauded or anything and kind of represented the values of of Munster rugby with that humility and and the work ethic and and the honesty i think he led from the front and guess his achievements within the game and leading Munster to to two Heineken cups three leagues kind of was involved in the redevelopment of Thoman Park, yep. Musgrave Park, the new high performance centre. He would have, you know, been brought us over to the States to play games against the US. We went to to Chicago to to you know, to Boston. So he very much a kind of uh, a visionary as well in terms of the commercial side of the game. And then obviously he would have been involved in the signing of world class players like, you know, Dougie Howlett, yeah. Christian Cullen. So yeah, look at just what he achieved in the game, but it's kind of the humility and how approachable and, and and direct he was. Would you have had a lot of one on one dealings with him? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Look, um I was I was first coached by by Gareth and yeah. actually fourth year in school. He actually coached Christian. He was an t- ex teacher in Christians. I didn't actually probably, know that uh, before really? yeah. before our time. But yeah. then he, he obviously I think he went into the bank for a while and stayed obviously in coaching in the game and was coaching Christian senior team. They actually coached him to three in a row. Yeah. So when I was in fourth year 
um, it was his last year coaching the school and um, so I kind of got, got to know him then and obviously when I went into the Munster the Irish Academy at the time he was he was running Munster Rugby at that stage and you know every every day you'd, you'd come across him uh, part of the days maybe you were in Limerick um, you'd have dealt with him in terms of contract yeah any any personal issues that any player had, you know, Garrett was there to sort. Very hands on, so always absolutely. Yeah. Look, he he was there, you know, very much kept the United front and and any issues that anyone within the province had, Garrett would sort it. Like so, um, look, just a gent of a man and and just so so straight and and so honest and um, just very sad for for his wife Anya and obviously the, their kids, but everyone in Munster Rugby, um, I think you'll see. The, the respect he has by you know the next few days obviously will be very sad but you see the unity of the province and of yeah. the you know the team coming together and that'll be indicative of, of of how much of a man he was and how great a man he was Absolutely very sad news rest in peace Gareth Fitzgerald passing away at the age of 65 uh, we switched to snooker now and two weeks ago uh, our producer Ryan uh, you got the fanboy mode that day we were just talking about that Ryan um, so I mean I, have, you, have, you, have you got over this yet have you, have you kind of come out of the euphoria of interviewing Ken Doherty yet T- to be honest no no it's still <laughs> probably all I think about <laughs> uh, no look it was great like I said at the time he's like Top gent, like we we're we we're talking for so long, and I was just, I'd say I probably had him mitered by then. Like, but I know he's a great guy. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. So two weeks ago, Ryan chatted to Ken Doherty. We played you part one of that interview on the show at the start of the month. We've just been so busy, we haven't had a chance to get to part two of the interview, but we have today. So here's the rest of what Ken Doherty had to say about his life in commentary and how the sport has changed. Uh, a sport of snooker has changed in recent years. Chatting to Ryan. Stylistically, Ken, mm. you've been described as a bit of a tactician, a heavy kind of break builder. Despite yeah. you're obviously like, from what I can tell from your personality, you, you, you're very humorous, like you're very kind of light-hearted. But you're you're a mm. serious break builder when you're on the table. Would you agree that's where your strength in the game lies? Yeah, I suppose. Like, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I don't know what it was, Davis or Parrot or something gave me the nickname of Crafty Ken. You know. Yeah. Uh, and I used to I used to be crafty because I used to play a lot of the older boys like when I was a kid and I'd learn from a lot of the old safety and the way they used to play and I used to play a lot from from money as a as a kid as well so you you couldn't be too sort of you couldn't push push the boat out too much and that's where I sort of learned my craft you know around the table uh, so that's where I got the nickname a bit of crafty Ken but. Uh, lately, I think they've been calling me clueless Ken. You know the way I've been playing. Uh, not at all. I, I like I like the crafty Ken. Yeah, but I always love that. You know, you still have to, as well as, and I, you see that with some of the players now who are they go for the shots and they try and make big breaks and win the frame one visit. That's all well and good, but at the same time, when 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 the breaks aren't going in, you have to be able to adapt and be able to land the different sides of game. And that's not only in snooker. That's in in all sports that you have to. You know the way they say they you build from the back, and you know you have to have some sort of defensive sort of mechanism before you can uh, before you can attack. You know, and that's just the way I play it. And you, you see, some of the players have changed their game, and because of it, they've become more successful. And in recent times, you would see Joe Trump, who was all out attack quite a bit. His safety game was not that good, but he sort of brushed up on that side, and now he's become a lot more successful. You know, Ronnie O'Sullivan the same. Uh, so you have to be able to play both sides of games but when you do get the chance you have to be able to score and, and make 
winning winning breaks and, and winning frames, you know. Of course. In 2009, Ken, another career milestone of yours, you joined the BBC as part of their snooker coverage team. Mm-hmm. What was it like to be sat on the other side of the glass and to be kind of watching <laughs> and analysing the sport rather than playing yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I like it, you know. I I, I do. I, lo- I love the guys, you know, the guys that I do. We we all get on really well, you know. Dennis, and I've learned an awful lot from Dennis and, and John Virgo, uh, Willie Torn when he was there as well, uh, and the likes of you know Stephen Hendry has made a, a you know a seamless sort of transition into into you know the analysis and of course the commentary as well, and of course Davis and Parrot as well. We've a really good team, you know, good lads that you can have a little bit of a laugh and joke, a bit of banter, but at the same time, you know, serious analysis and points of view and we wouldn't always agree on everything, but at the same time we all have respect for each other's uh, view on, on, on the game, you know, and that's that's a good thing. But it's yeah, I mean yeah, the reason I, I do it, uh, because I love the game, you know, I, I, I love the game immensely and if I if I wasn't doing the BBC, I'd probably be sitting at home just talking to myself or doing commentary to myself on the, on the yeah. couch. So I might, as well, I might as well be there with the lads and enjoying it and uh, I'm watching it uh, live like we did last week at the Masters, which was a great tournament, you know. I was just hoping to ask you, Ken, you're an avid Manchester United fan. <laughs> oh, <stop laughs> if... I was there last night. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I was there last night. I was, with, I was guest of Alex Ferguson, like myself and Dennis Taylor last night. Right, okay. Obviously not the and, result uh, you wanted. No, not the result we wanted. No, but uh, go on and ask me the question. Well, what I was going to ask you was, I suppose, if if and when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would, is shown the road, would you fancy yourself as someone who could step in in that role <laughs> and rally them? <laughs> Absolutely no. Unless they, unless they want to play on the snooker team in Manchester, but that's about it. Um, now that'd be a side I'd like to see. <laughs> it's, a very, it's, a, it's a very tough job, and to be honest, I love Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and uh, I think he he needs a bit. Uh, everybody is jumping on the bandwagon saying that uh, you should get rid of him, but I don't think. No matter. Look, you have one of the best managers in the world, there, Mourinho. And he couldn't fix it. They need they need a complete overhaul. They need uh, new recruits. They need a they need they could do with about five or six new players. To be honest, yeah. And until then, no matter who's in there, even like if Paul Daniels was in there, he wouldn't be able to he wouldn't be able to make those teams play uh, make that team play magic. So he has a tough job, and uh, I think you got to give him a couple of windows to give him a chance. And see how the rest of it. If you can buy it, bring in a few players before in this window, and then of course in the summertime, and then see how it goes. If it doesn't go any well, well, then he has to go. You know? I'd say a lot of but people would give, agree with you there, I definitely. Would him, I would give him a bit of time. I, uh, like uh, as bad as they were last night, the team, you know, the, the supporters uh, were still like chanting Ole's name, which is a good sign. Yeah, so, he's got none to, you know. What can he do? If they go and get a new manager, the new manager's not going to be able to do anything drastic because he's depleted with injuries as well. So it's all very well that people just jumping on the bang where oh, he has to go, he has to go. And we're a bit of it. You know, we have fallen a lot from grace from where we were. But, you know, five or six players, good quality players, that's exactly what we need. And I don't, and with some of the other guys that we have, the likes of Rashford, Greenwood, you know, Maguire, that Bissaka, I like a lot. You know, even that, uh, Brandon Williams, you know, they have the. They have the guts of a really good young team. They just need some experience and really top quality players to uh, to join them. Exactly. Outside of snooker and Man United, Ken, what other passions do you have in life? Would you say? I love tennis. Uh, my son plays a lot of tennis, so uh, 
I love watching him play and, and following the tennis circuit. We're big Roger Federer fans. I love the golf as well, you know, and uh, I love playing a bit of golf. I'm a bit of a fair weather player, but I love <laughs> traveling everywhere, you know, like whether it be Cork or, you know, Kerry, uh, you know, Limerick, anywhere, anywhere there's lovely courses and we're blessed on our shores with some of the best courses in the world. So yep. I love I love the golf and I love the GAA as well, you know, and particularly the way the Dubs are being played. Although, the, <laughs> you know, the Rebels, the Rebels down there won't well, like it, but I hear they have a good team coming up as well. So you never know what can happen between Kerry and Cork and, and what's going to happen with the new Dublin manager as well. I love the, I love the GAA. I love all sports. You're an all-rounder, so, you know? so exactly. All exactly. Yeah, I love the, love the horses. I'm looking forward to Cheltenham and, you know, but uh, the golf and the tennis and the football, uh, they're, my, they're the big ones. You know? Spoiled for choice. In terms of snooker, Ken, what changes to the game have you seen over the past 20 years? I suppose there's been, in the last few years particularly, massive investment from World Snooker and sponsors. Yeah. The viewership yeah. in China and the interest in Asia in general is huge. What effects do you think that's had on, on the sport? It's incredible. I mean, we see, I just wish like somebody, some of our you know, our own country in particular and some of the countries the likes of the UK would would do exactly what the likes of China have done. I mean they've they've got like twenty percent of the tour now players, you know, they produce so many good players. But what they're doing, they're introducing it into the curriculum, you know, so you know, if kids don't want to play in China, they want to play football or basketball or ping pong, they can play snooker as part of their curriculum, you know, and uh, and that's made a massive difference. You know, they've got great academies over there. They're sort of encouraged to open snooker clubs where over here you know like the taxes they put you know the rates and stuff like that even though it's an amenity for a lot you know a lot of the clubs have closed down here I'm sure you'll see the same in Cork you know mm-hmm. where they yep. provided amenities for kids you know rather than hang around on street corners if they don't like you know playing any other sport they can go inside you know when it's raining and play a bit of snooker and, it, and it's a good sport to learn you know uh, but the government and the uh, you know the local community. They don't. They don't help it. In, in it's any not way, backed over here as such, really. It's it doesn't backed, have the backing as much. No, absolutely, it doesn't have the backing. Whereas other country has, it has, and it's flourished. You know, and I just wish that we would sometimes show a little bit of initiative, and not only the snooker, but other sports as well, where you know they give them a chance. You know, to uh, to be able to uh, provide the immediate without having to lob like huge taxes and rates on them you know because they're providing a service as well as a business you know absolutely you'll have seen firsthand when you were at the Masters um, last week the Ali Pally looked incredible I was at the Masters myself a few years ago yeah. and it didn't look yeah. like that and it just goes no. to show I think year on year it's re- like it looked it just looks stunning the screens it around the table it is amazing yeah it is amazing the screen, this year they really pushed the ball out they've, they've gone up a level and uh, they have a new century floor where you can go in and dine find dine and watch it from behind the glass they have the couches and everything you know it just looks great you know uh, they've really pushed the boat out trying to attract a different sort of uh, corporate sponsor you know and it looks it looks fantastic you know just the way other sports have done the GAA the rugby the football you know the golf uh, they've all upped their game and that's what it's, it's time that snooker has and I think this is a really uh, a really good move forward for them you know absolutely just finally Ken your professional career, so far it's spanned 30 years. Uh, you've made 346 centuries, multiple ranking titles, as we said. Uh, you climbed to number two in the world about 13 or 14 years ago. Did you envisage anything like that when you were a, an amateur turning pro when you were 21? No, not really. I mean, I, my, I just wanted to give it a go. I went over to England. I had £500 in my pocket. That's all I had when I left school. 
and I went over there to just to see how I could do, you know. I mean, if I went over there for 500 quid, you imagine someone going there in this day and age for 500 quid, they wouldn't last like a week, you know. But uh, I went there for 500 quid in 88, and uh, the journey that I've had has been incredible. I met some great people, and I stayed stayed there in the UK from 88 to 98. I came back 10 years later after winning the World Championship in 97. But uh, I've had a great journey. I've had, a, you know, a wonderful time. I wish I had one more. You know, I came close to win a couple of other World Championships and, and UKs and Masters and stuff. There's a few regrets in there. But overall, I think, you know, uh, winning the World Amateur, the junior, and indeed the only the only man still to have won all three and the World Professional is still uh, it's still, you know, not a bad return with a two-pound queue. No, it's not at all, Ken. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've tried to be as professional as possible carrying this out, but I'd, like, I'm like i a massive fan of yours. I think you're a credit to the sport, and thank you so much for talking oh, to me today. Uh, you had to get that in there, a nice one. Good man, Ryan. Uh, Ryan Grace, our producer there, chatting to uh, one of his idols, Ryan Big Snooker fan, Ken Darty. It's Colm O'Sullivan and Tomás O'Leary with you on the Big Red Bench. Uh, pretty much out of time. We're just going to say uh, we were going to look ahead to some stuff happening tomorrow, but uh, uh, we we're not quite sure what's happening tomorrow with the weather, Tomás. I'd say absolutely nothing, so we'll probably be talking Six Nations next weekend. Yes, yourself and Rory might look ahead to the Six Nations, and uh, you'll, you'll fill the hour anyway, I'm sure. Yeah, we might some kind of set up some kind of uh, competition in here that we could take each other on <laughs> and, and, and live stream it or something like that. that. Would be good that would be good we'd like to see that fancy so you- my chances against them anyway yeah, whatever we do absolutely uh, Tomas and Rory tomorrow on the Big Red Bench from 6 uh, I'll be back with Tomas as well on Saturday next next week uh, with all the sport um, on a day when uh, Liverpool let's give you the score on that actually before we finish up it is still scoreless uh, about 20 minutes left there uh, Carroll Road Norwich City and Liverpool so um, that is kind of the, the headline story of the day in the world of sport that is us out of time Stevie G is on the way next have a great Saturday night whatever you're doing and we'll chat to you soon